to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. On today's episode, an event producer's perspective, we're going to hear from a guest who is responsible for producing both large and small events on a weekly basis. Kenneth Edward Piner is a director at FINRA's corporate communications team, directing everything from reality-type TV profiles to live conference broadcasts. When there's not a pandemic, he hosts a company show called Taxi Talk while literally bouncing down the street in the back of a taxi. I hope you're ready to get some great information. Let's go. Kenneth, thank you so much for being with us today on Voices of Experience. We are so excited to have you. Love to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and dive right in. You know, my first question for you is, has the way you structure meetings in terms of content and flow changed much from in-person to virtual events? I know your your experience is so varied. So have you seen a shift? So content itself hasn't really changed because people need to talk about the same stuff, but they have to deal with it differently. So when you're in a virtual world and you're working with people that aren't near you and are not in the room with you and you can't react to them visibly in front of you, it's a different space, right? And you need to be able to engage with them somehow. And a lot of things people are doing now are, you know, simply just being more aggressive with questions and answers and actually taking them in from the live audience or doing things like uh, polling through a Slido or something like that, where they can ask questions or have people submit words in and actually connect with the audience a little bit more and finding the tools, whatever they are for you to do that helps the audience feel like you're paying attention to them as you are having your, your, your presentation. So what you're seeing is that it sounds like we're having to work harder to get engagement than in person. Um, and you gave us a couple tools. You talked about polling using something like Slido or aggressive questions. Are there anything, any other things that professional speakers can better uh, do to prepare to work with client event producers on virtual events? So I think that's a piece of it, the client piece. But what do we need to know in working with you? Because we used to just be able to show up with a USB in a hotel room and we were good to go. Yeah, it's not quite that simple anymore because you're all stepping into somebody else's environment. It's not like the typical conference room where you come into like, here's my deck, plug it in, I'm ready to go, and you're up in two minutes. Um, there's a, a few things that I'd say are important. Um, be flexible, modify your content, and have a backup plan. So what I, what I mean by those things, being flexible is... I have a way that I'm going to do my show and you're going to step into my space. And it works for me because I know what I'm working with, but it may not be what you do every day. And so you have to be ready to be flexible in that moment and morph what you're doing to fit the environment. Some people use a certain types of decks. Some people don't use decks at all. Some people walk around the stage for effect and you have to find the ways in which to do that in whatever environment you're in. You know, it's flexibility sounds really straightforward, but it's hard when you're so accustomed to a certain way of doing things to give yourself that um, permission, so to speak, to step into a way and doing it differently. And we're going to need that from you because each of you come to us from a different perspective and we're going to work with you to find the way But the flexibility is key. And then you have to be willing to just modify your content. Because if you're so used to your presentation, you've done it 20 times already in the last six weeks, and all of a sudden you come to me and my platform is different and what I can do is different, you're going to have to find a way to help me get there. And I'm going to work with you to get there because I want you. You've come to my my environment for a reason, so I'm going to fight for it. But sometimes it just doesn't work or it's harder or we have to find ways. And there have been times where we've had a few hoops we've had to jump through to make it work, but it works and we'll get there. And that's my, my bottom line is I'm always trying to get my speakers to a point where we can get them to provide what they're planning for. And then just having a backup plan. Like in this environment, you've got to have more than one way to connect to the internet. We had an internal show very recently where 
we got on 90 seconds before we were going live because the person was having internet connectivity. Unfortunately, their power came back up because there had just been a storm. And you're like, oh, come on, are we going to make it? And we made it just barely, but there was not much of a backup plan baked into the environment for that speaker. And it's a little frightening when you're on the production and directing side waiting for that person to get there. So having that backup plan, whether it's a couple of hotspots, a MiFi, in addition to your in-house internet and a hardwired thing, making sure you have ways to get into the environment and have that backup plan to connect is key. And it sounds really simple, but again, if we can't have you into the show and you're our show, then what do we do? Well, it sounds like when it comes to having that backup plan, it requires a little bit of forethought. You know, because again, compared to what many speakers are used to before, I mean, there's like minor backup plans from a stage, but the possibilities for failures, uh, for tech failures were much, they were much less than they are now. And so it sounds like you almost need to talk with the team and, and really discuss these backup plans so that they know what else you have going on so that maybe they can even assist you with accessing some of these backup resources. Yeah, certainly. And we can be creative on our side to find something that will work. Um, we've had times where it, we thought something would work and it didn't. We'd have to find a different way to bring somebody into a show. You know, there's a, a, you know, we do a lot of video production right now through a tool that brings people in uh, from their webcams into the broadcast space. And sometimes they just can't connect because of a firewall issue or something like that. And finding a different way to bring them in, you know, through a Zoom or something like that that's a little bit different just to bring that signal in. And we've been able to get there, but sometimes it takes a little while to find the creative resource that works for them and works for us and brings them into the show in a way that we need them to. And so, yeah, having the backup plan and talking through what's available to the speaker, what do you have in your mix? What's in your house? What devices do you have available? Do you have an iPhone? Do you have something else? There's got to be a way to get your signal in at the last minute in case uh, something fails. There's always going to be the primary target we're going to be looking at, but having something else ready to go that we know will work is really beneficial so that we can switch to it on a dime because there's always a gremlin in broadcast and it's going to come and go and it's going to fight you all the time at some point when you don't expect it. So having that redundant element in place saves the show. Oh, no gremlins. I want to also dig a little bit deeper into something else you said, and you said flexibility, and you said that it sounds simple, but the more you spoke, I thought about the fact that even speakers who consider themselves to be flexible, this is a whole different ball game because clients are de dealing with different platforms. I mean, we're dealing with different types of organizations. I mean, you're, you're, you work for FINRA. And so there are a lot of regulations and limitations to how you can run your events versus someone with cow lovers of America, right? And so it, it would seem like the flexibility has not only to do with um, the technology, but even policies, Sure. And certainly I work for a place called FINRA, which is the regulator of broker dealers. And our mission is investor protection and market integrity. And we work for the Securities and Exchange Commission to enforce federal securities laws. But within that space, we have things that relate to communications with the public and the rules in which the firms have to behave with for things that they communicate with. So for example, when we do a show, we don't do a chat feature because that's hard to capture. Unless we have the capturing set up, we have to be able to capture the content that comes into us. Mm -hmm. So we'll use a Q&A feature so we can capture that report afterwards so we can prove what communications have come in to kind of to ensure that we are com similarly complying with the rules that we have for the firms. So sometimes things like that will be in play in the show and people are surprised by that if they don't work within the space that we work within. If we're working with one of our member firms, then they certainly understand and they're like, oh, I understand why that's the case. But other people are like, huh, really? I can't chat with people during the show? Nope. Sorry. Can't make it happen this time. We have other ways to get you in, but not that. Right. So, like, so yeah, that, you can't chat with each other in those instances. So a speaker that's used to that will then have to adapt their presentation to find another way to make it engaging, but also compliant for you. 
Right, and so we've worked through those creative solutions based on what the speaker needs to do, because we don't always know what the speaker needs to do, and that pre-production conversation has to happen. So we always meet with them ahead of time. We test the environment. We make sure that we understand what they need to do, want to do, and then we try to make sure that works. And when it doesn't work, we start thinking through, like, what are my other options? How do we get that person there? And, and that goes back to the flexibility piece, but also them being flexible with the fact that we can't do certain things. Not that we don't want to. We just can't. Right, right. So next question is, is there something that you'd like to see more from experts and speakers as they participate in virtual programs? So this is you looking into the future. If you said, okay, you know, right now we're still picking up the pieces. We're still kind of creating these best practices. As someone that has your experience in, in this side of the industry, what would you like to see more of that would actually make these events better for everyone involved? Preparation is one of the things. It's, it's a shocking thing to think about, but there's more you've got to do to get ready in this environment, especially if you haven't done it before. And understanding what you're about to do and how you can behave and perform yourself the best for the audience that you're looking at or working with. Because if you haven't been in the virtual space, there are things you do differently. Unlike standing at the podium where you've been taught to look at the three to five places in the audience that everybody feels like you're looking at them, even though you're really not, and that they feel engaged, even though maybe you're not looking them in the eye. Those moments, right? You all you practice those in, in how to deal with the stage and the podium if you've got one, et cetera. But in this environment, there's only one place to look and that's your camera. It's very much like being in the on the evening pundit shows, whether it's Fox, MSNBC, or CNN, or whoever you watch, where people are side by side staring at their camera lens. There is nowhere else to look but that little tiny dot, which is really weird to do if you're not used to doing it. And settling into that and like doing that is something you have to practice. So every Zoom meeting you're on or every WebEx you're on or whatever you use, if you're a speaker that's going to be in a virtual space, especially during this pandemic for a long time, and clearly beyond because the virtual world is probably going to stay here in different ways thereafter. Getting really good about finding your lens and talking to your audience in that one space is really going to help your audience engage with you. And just practicing that is good. But that's just one part of the preparation. And the other elements are just understanding how you behave and how do you work with the content, whether you've got a deck or you've got other things you're doing and still engaging with your audience and not disappearing from the screen as much either, because that's the only thing we have to engage with you is that visual of you speaking and finding that balance between an element you want to really show on screen for a little while and you're a per person on screen. And so the audience feels connected with you because there's, you know, we're so disconnected right now in particular that people really need that visual and happy engagement that you're providing as the speaker and so that they can connect with you. But that preparation of getting ready to like, you know, feel good on camera, give it some energy, smile as you're talking, look at the lens and really be with your audience, even though it's a dot in front of you is uh, <laughs> something to practice. And so that preparation is key, just getting comfortable. So you are your best speaker that you know you are on stage coming to the virtual environment and that preparation is beneficial because they get you there uh, more rapidly and the audience can take in your information. But then after that, storytell. You get a lot of people who have not prepared and they don't have the anecdotes ready to say, you know, here's how this works for me. This is why I'm making my point, but here's the story that it really conveys it. We are all so tired of Zoom meetings and being on virtual meetings right now, right? You need to engage me as a viewer in what you're saying so that I will feel connected with what's going, you're trying to convey. Anecdotes do that. We have all the general rules that people can run through it. Here's what you got to do. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Okay, nice. But what about B? What, what does B mean? I need to know more about B. Is it a B that flies around? Is it a B that's in my bonnet? You know, what is that? You know, we need to know a little bit more about what the anecdote is for B. And storytelling, because then you just need something else to engage, especially when you're just talking. And, and you might have graphics and things to go with it, but that storytelling will take you a long way. And I'm surprised by how many speakers don't do it. Maybe it's because they're just not as practiced, but it's just something I always am grateful for when I see it. And I do see it. I'm not saying I don't, but it's nice to have it um, in the mix. 
And so please. something you're saying we need more of it as well, because you said, said that you're seeing some people doing it, but I guess there's still some speakers that maybe we can polish up on that. Yeah, entertain me a little bit more, right? We're, we just, it's not a meeting. It's, you're, you're speaking and giving us good content, and just a little more storytelling sometimes is beneficial. Not everybody's the, that, that, in that situation, but it's helpful to have it. And, you know, the appearance element is something else to be prepared for. Think about your environment. Mm-hmm. Where are you joining from? Are you sitting in front of a bright window? That's probably not a good thing. Are you, do you think you're going to use a virtual background because it's a Zoom meeting? No, you probably shouldn't because that yes. looks really wonky and funky, and people do. No one looks good in front of a virtual background right now. No offense to Zoom. Yes. But the technology is not quite there or the user's environment is not there. If you had a green screen and the right lighting, probably the green screen element would work. But very few people have the right thing to make that work. So typically you would recommend that you not do that. Mm-hmm. Set up your environment, light your face, look at what's going on behind you. Is there something s- silly coming out of the side of your head visually? Is there something dumb in the background that you don't want to expose to the, the whole world? Think about those things. And if you don't understand why it's so important, go to this Twitter handle. It is not mine rate my Skype room and look at that Twitter handle and what people are being rated on right now in their virtual environments. It's very um, compelling in terms of understanding how people are being successful and how they're not. And a lot of that's people joining you know, television programs from their homes. But it's amusing because, you know, they rate them based on a 1 to 10 scale. And some of them they rate better than I would, but that's all right. We can all make our own choices in terms of our design preferences. But it's a really amusing thing. But it will teach you the things that are working for other people and where there are options in your own home. And so we do a lot of consulting with the people that speak with us. We have a lot of non-professional speakers that come to our environments. And we will do consulting with them in terms of setting up their shot, figuring out how to, like, get their camera to their eye level, where can they get light from in their own home if they don't have professional lights and what they need to do for that. And so we will spend that time uh, consulting with them to set them up because our goal is for our shows to look good no matter who's part of them, whether they're professional speakers or amateurs that are coming because of their expertise, we still want to make sure they look and sound their best. So we spend a lot of time, especially since the pandemic began, doing that. I think we're very quickly approaching probably 200 consults in the last seven months, which takes time. Yo, no, I'm not lying. It's a lot. Um, But we want to do that because we want to ensure that our people, whether it's an internal program or an external program, that they are ready and then they can focus on their content. And that goes back to being ready to deliver your content. That element of preparation, worrying about what your background looks like, making your shot look good, setting all that up, and then coming to the event where that is out of the equation. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You're just ready to go. Then you can actually deliver liver better because you don't have to worry about that stuff anymore and you feel more confident you look good your space is good your lighting's good and then if you as long as you've worn something good from the waist up and you're sitting you know nowadays no one sees our feet anymore we don't have to walk around the stage so most of us are barefoot at home and i know i am typically but it gives you you know getting that confidence ready and getting set up is beneficial so also you want to think about what to wear you want to avoid the ends of the spectrum white and black in this environment is really tough for a web camera to um balance if something really bright white is in your shot and there's something really dark in your shot it's hard for the camera to figure out where to be so you want to eliminate the ends of the spectrum so the camera can find that center ground so color is your friend jewel tones are your friend you're going to want to pop yourself out from the background so your background can be pleasing and you've already worried about that but then you want to get out in front of it you want to be seen you're there to be seen and speaking and so you want to think about like what you're wearing that brings you forward but you also have to worry about that too because things like a very tight pinstripe or houndstooth pattern will cause what's known as the moray effect. And so you'll see this rainbowy feeling on camera. Yeah. So if you're curious about what to wear, set up a Zoom meeting for yourself and turn your camera on and bring those pieces of clothing and hold them in front of your face or you're your in underneath your 
face to like see how it's behaving on camera because that will tell you if it's worth wearing. And you see often on camera, people on even the evening news will inadvertently wear something that has that wavy effect. And you're like, oh, they know better, but it'll, it'll happen. It looks like yeah, it's a dancing pattern. <laughs> exactly. That's the moiré effect. It's the way that the, the pattern or the color is interacting with the camera lens. So you definitely want to think about what am I putting on my body within the shot. And so that's a, another consideration that you want to think about. Plus, even if the f- pattern of the fabric doesn't have that in it, sometimes just the weave of the fabric will do it as well. So I've, I've seen people with a very beautiful color on, but the weave of the fabric wasn't quite right. And it also caused a more subtle moiré effect. But you don't want that because then people start to focus on what, what's happening. Like they start to not listen to you anymore. And you're trying to eliminate all those elements when you're preparing to speak. So people actually hear what's coming out of your mouth. Right, right. Okay. So before we get to the last question, I do want to Zoom in on something that you said uh, just a few minutes ago when you talked about preparation. You kept talking about preparation, and and all of this is a part of preparation. But it occurred to me that the preparation not only happens for your presentation, but in that pre-conference meeting, in those AV runs, because, for instance, one of the hot topics that's going on right now in in our members-only Facebook group is we're talking about delays that we're seeing. So even preparation practicing because some client platforms have a 15, 30 second delay. Uh, So, you know, if you're waiting for some type of participation and you don't know that, that could be very awkward if you have not prepared and you don't realize you have to build something in the presentation to account for these delays. Yeah, there can be delays with content coming back if you're using a poll or even just the sound coming back to you in a return. So there are some broadcast environments where you're seeing as the speaker the return coming back from the broadcast space, which is almost like being on a satellite and you're talking to the anchor on the other side of the world if you're the reporter. You've seen that on the news and you see that slight delay. It's faster than that, but it still exists and it can be a little disconcerting for people who are new that they don't realize that they're seeing themselves move and behave a few seconds after they have just moved humanly in the moment. Mm-hmm. and just getting accustomed to the fact that that's going to happen and ignoring it and really just getting back to your camera lens and focusing there, then you don't aren't distracted by it. But the sound itself could be a little delayed too. So things like ensuring that you have a headset that's plugged into your ear so you're not putting your own sound that's coming back into your microphone can be beneficial so that you're not affecting the sound that you're sending out. And so that can kind of help with that as well. And it just depends on the environment. But there are always are some a little bits of delay because you're not in the same room and you're far away. And it's, that signal is coming from you through the internet, through some mixer, technical director environment somewhere else and being shifted back to you thereafter. And that's, that's not instantaneous. It's never immediate, but it's close. It's just not immediate. Okay. Now you've touched on this just a little bit, but let's talk about equipment. What do you see as being essential? Okay. Because some speakers, they've gone out and they've gotten some amazing equipment that's awesome, but let's just talk about essential. You know, the things that you just have to come to the table with for them to provide great quality virtual events, especially when they're partnering with people like you. First thing at first, I would say get a good web camera, at least 1080 or more and something that you have a tool with that you can download from the vendor to manipulate the camera. So I have one camera that has a a control for zooming in, brightness, focus, uh, you know, contrast, things that may be needed that we might want to adjust because it may be a cloudy day and I don't have enough light or vice versa. There may be some elements. And if you have the ability to make those tweaks, listening to the director as in the pre-show time, you will help them with the signal. But having at least a high quality uh, 
camera is a good place to start. So 1080 or higher, they have 4K cameras now out too, but 1080 at minimum will get you where you need to be. And that that's a good place to start. So start there, quality internet and redundant internet. So again, good Wi-Fi, good signal, have your iPhone or whatever you've got with the hotspot ready to go. So you have another thing to turn to immediately if your signal goes down so you can stay in the show. Mm-hmm. That's absolute because you have to have the show. Everything else can be kind of bad, but if your signal's not up and we can't see you and we can't hear you, then what's the, what's the point? Right. Um, and then hearing you, a good external microphone is beneficial. Not everybody's got one, so sometimes the headsets are fine. But if you are trying to bump up your game, a good quality microphone that can plug into your um, computer is useful to like look into. Those are the three things I would start with. And then the wireless earbuds, if you're especially going to be on camera, you can get one in your, like your ear, like it's an IFB that an anchor might wear. Mm-hmm. And so that you have a small little thing where you can hear, but you don't have these huge wires hanging off of your face. That can be beneficial to have as well. And then you're shot just looks better. So those are some basic things, but then we already talked about things like, you know, making sure your shot is set up, you know, avoiding the virtual backgrounds, those sorts of things. But those are essential, but in terms of what I would want to see from a show. So if I'm bringing somebody in, I'm going to have that pre-call. I'm going to say that shot's too low. We're looking up your nose. You know, we, everybody's going to get a double chin if the shot's too low. So get that camera up to your eye level so we can look straight at you and we can see you move and human as much as possible. Just like you're like an anchor on TV on some level, right? And so we're going to work with people for that. And the other thing is powder is your friend. Everybody's got a little oil in their skin. And once you start introducing some brighter lights in your life, and hopefully you are, as you're starting to bump up your game, they have some cheap ones on the internet that will do what you need. But once you start to throw all that light at your face, you need powder. I don't care who you are. You need a little powder, some translucent powder, just to make sure you're not reflecting what you've already put on your face to make you look better. So that's very beneficial. Guys that don't like typically wear um, makeup or women that don't typically wear makeup, just get a little translucent powder for you can get it online you no one sees the color it just takes the shine away and it looks you look better as a result so trust me it's it's worth doing and a mirror look at yourself before you go on camera you'd be surprised how many people don't look at themselves before they get in front of the camera mm. and i'll have to say to somebody um your collar or your whatever can you do that before we get going and i will help them i'm not going to let my show go down because somebody looks silly right. so i will talk to them and say hey you know you got to fix that before we go but it's shocking how many people won't help the talent on camera and they've missed something Mm-hmm. And you need to protect yourself. So a mirror nearby that you check out, like that's like your last thing you do. I mirror check, turn camera on. So you know you're ready to go. Perfect. Well, are there any last parting words that you'd want to share with the speakers that are listening right now? Anything else that you want to communicate that I haven't asked you? I mean, you're, you're such a wonderful resource. Uh, I'd love any other words you have to share. You know, I think the practice element of getting accustomed to just being comfortable on camera and being comfortable in your own home being on camera is something that people just have to let themselves go and do. People who publicly speak, I find oftentimes are so comfortable in that space that when they transition to this sitting still, staying in a shot, staring at a camera, and broadcast, being a broadcaster essentially is just not natural. And it's not a natural thing to do and come across naturally. So those who haven't done it a lot, every meeting you have just pretend you're presenting again and start behaving in that way so that you get accustomed to that environment and you build your bona fides so to speak in terms of your ability to communicate in that way and just practicing and getting comfortable and not being afraid to just you know use your volume and use your diaphragm in your own home because you're sitting in your your basement in your office and the family's hearing you're like what is he shouting in the other room what's going on no no he's just using energy because he's presenting and he wants to be heard and seen because all the levels of technology between your mouth and the person watching 
diminish you a little bit. So taking time to give it energy and smiling and being focused on the fact that there's, there are people watching you and you are performing a show more so even than being in a live audience on stage where they can see you and you can kind of like react to them. There's nothing to react to. You're looking at a dot. So you got to practice. You got to bump up your energy. You got to have fun with it. And as long as it's not a serious topic where you kind of need to look sad, the more you smile, the better off you are. Every entertainment tonight, access Hollywood show you've ever seen. Those people smile the whole show unless somebody died. They smile the whole time. So think about that. If you watch that and how you react to that behavior when people are smiling at you so much, it's a huge difference in terms of how you feel about what's being said to you. So the more you can kind of practice smile as you stare at that dot, the better off your presentation is going to feel to the audience. Certainly, if you're talking about something serious, you got to change it up and come down from that happy face. But the moment you're done with that, you got to bring it right back and just go for it because it's a weird thing to do if you're not used to doing it. But it's beneficial for the audience and your message. Thank you for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. I'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.